Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Our country seems to be at war these days, and the enemy is us. I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm upset, and I'll continue to do what I have to do. No doubt the pandemic has frayed nerves and left us all on edge. But why, with the Delta variant raging in many places, why are we debating the merits of wearing masks again in close quarters? You do other things to keep yourself safe. You put on your seatbelt. It's not, that's not political. That is to keep you safe. And if you get into an accident, if you have your seatbelt on, you're more likely to survive than if you don't. So same thing with a mask. This week on 880 In-Depth, we don't look at this issue of masks through a political lens. We'll look at it in a personal way. You not wearing a mask, you might get it and be okay, but you might transmit it to someone you love and then be part of this club no one wants to join. COVID through the eyes of a young widow now raising her two young children by herself. I want them to know he was a hero because he went into a hospital and, you know, with knowing that it was dangerous and he sacrificed his life and that he will always be a hero. Plus, what we know about COVID long haulers. Our visit with the founder of the largest COVID grassroots organization in the world. What we originally thought was a respiratory disease, we quickly understood was actually a vascular and inflammatory disease. I believe we will look back on it in many ways as a neurological disease. Welcome to 880 In-Depth, I'm Tim Sheld. I have to admit, I hate wearing masks, but I also hate seeing people get COVID and I'm heartbroken at the terrible toll this pandemic has taken. So if I have to wear a mask on the train or in the office, or if I have to stay out of indoor crowds for another period of time, be it months, I'm okay with it. If we can just get on the same page to beat this virus. We know why we need to get more people vaccinated, People are still dying from COVID every day, and the vast majority of them are the unvaccinated. So beating COVID comes down to getting vaccinated and finding other layers of protection to stop the spread. And to those who say they're prepared to take their chances against the virus, there's another reason to reconsider your stance on vaccines and masks. The growing number of cases of COVID long haulers. We have been the canary in the COVID coal mine since day one. Coming up, we'll speak to the founder of Survivor Corps. That's the largest grassroots COVID organization in the world. Diana Barrett tells us you should fear this disease. But first, meet Pamela Addison. Triggers are like something that will make you feel like you did like when you lost your husband. 
Martin Addison died early on in the COVID pandemic. The 44-year-old New Jersey speech pathologist contracted COVID in late March 2020, likely from his work with people who were having issues breathing and swallowing. He died in late April of last year, leaving Pamela to raise their six-month-old son and two-year-old daughter alone. But today, Pamela Addison isn't really alone. Because of this experience and fighting to survive her grief, she started a Facebook support group for women and men who lost their partners to COVID. It's good to know that other people share your struggles. I think like when I'm doing this all my by myself and I think about everyone else I know that's not hasn't been impacted by COVID, I know that they have no idea what I'm going through. Now when I talk to one of the widows in my group, they know exactly what I'm saying when I say, oh, Elsie had a bad day. She like, you know, she thinks she's going to die or something. They're like, oh, yes, my kid felt that way a few days ago. Or it's like, oh, my gosh, my daughter's having a rough time today, too. You just feel so much more like you're not alone and that there really are people that understand how difficult it is to be a parent by yourself and then having to help your children deal with their grief. Our Peter Haskell went out to Bergen County, New Jersey, to sit with Pamela Addison to hear her story for in-depth. When my husband died, I thought I was the only young widow out there because you were only hearing about older people dying. Um, So I felt very lonely. And then a week after my husband died, I got a letter in the mail from another COVID young widow, and she told me I wasn't alone. And we connected. Um, Fast forward like six months later, um, I wrote a piece for NewJersey.com because I was really frustrated about how a lot of people were saying you didn't need to fear COVID. And I just wanted to put out why you should fear COVID because it's affected my family in such a dramatic way. And I posted it to several um, COVID support groups. And when I saw the response of all these young widows saying that that was their story and they thought they were all alone, I decided that I would make a support group for us so no one would feel alone because I knew how horrible that felt. And so I created it. What does the support group do? Uh, how does it work? What? Where is it? So it's a Facebook group. Um, uh, I have a few membership questions. You answer that and then um, I'll accept you based on your answers. And then... It's based on a lot of posts. People post a lot about their feelings, what triggers them, and then group members will respond in a supportive way. Um, You're not judged in this group, which is a lot uh, huge for people because grief is very uncomfortable for people not grieving. So in this group, no one's going to judge how you're grieving because we know that everyone grieves differently and we know what we're going through. So we're very supportive to one another. So people just open up and feel that they can share anything and everything on this group. What are the common themes that you hear about? Um, A lot is about kids and how to, you know, deal with being a solo parent because we are solo parents now. We have lost our companion. Um, So a lot of that is how we miss the person that, you know, used to parent with us. I mean, it's crazy, but the simplest things have now become more complicated because there's only just one of us. Um, So that's a huge theme. Um, I guess like sometimes a lot, if someone has said something insensitive to them, they'll need a vent and 
in this group, everyone, they feel so much better after they vented because everyone will be supportive and say, oh, that happened to me too. Don't, this is how I dealt with it. So there's those things, triggers sometimes, how they were triggered by something and how they thought they were moving forward. But now they feel like they took a huge step back. But then when other people respond and say, oh, that happened to me too, but now I'm in a better place, you know, that gives them hope. So it's a lot of those type of posts. It's exhausting um, um, having two toddlers. I feel like now it's even more exhausting because the little guy's on the run. Like when my husband died, he was only five months. So it was a little less, you know, he, you could put him down and sit him and, you know, deal with the other child. But now it's like they're both in different directions. So you have to like, you know, like it's really hard when you're just you. But it's like a lot of figuring out to do. Um, and then my daughter on top of that, because she was two when she lost her dad she has dealed with grief and um that's really hard um she, like yesterday she had a horrible day like it was a sad day and I always know she's gonna have a sad day when she brings this dog she has Lady from Lady and the Tramp and she carries it around with her because she misses her papa and you know having to have those difficult conversations with her about what death is and her she has started to understand what it is, but, you know, yesterday she told me she died the other day, and which I know is not true, and then it's like, how do you tell her she didn't, you know, and, like, make her understand that death is when, you know, your heart stops beating, that's what happened to Papa, but you're alive, your heart's beating, so it's, it's very challenging. I think that's the most challenging thing is dealing with her grief and wanting to take her pain away, because I see it. At the beginning, she, she really stopped eating. Um, she would just stare into space and look so sad and she was you know she's like one of those happy little girls so it just was so heartbreaking to see her so sad and you know she would stand at the door waiting for him to come home like she did so at certain times she would be standing there expecting him to come home and walk into the door and give her a hug um she would say she wanted a papa hug which was just really hard and I would just say, well, he can't give you one. And I gave her one instead. <sighs> um, now it's, she'll talk about how he died, how his heart stopped beating, that he's up in heaven and always in her heart um, because she loves him so much and he loves her. And then, you know, she'll ask questions sometimes like, why is Papa's car still in the driveway? And like, sh she... <sighs> You know, it's hard to explain that, but I, you know, I tell her, you know, it's there, but mommy's gonna, you know, give it away soon because we don't need the car because Papa doesn't need it anymore. You know, so it's just like questions out of the blue sometimes that, you know, you don't, you're not prepared for. <laughs> and back to those triggers for Pamela Addison and those in her Facebook group. A lot of people sometimes just even going into a store and not seeing people masked will trigger them because they think about, um, how their husbands were safe, always had their mask. How did their husband catch this virus if they always had their mask on and were doing everything that they possibly could to keep themselves safe? And then they see people not masked. Why are they, you know, healthy and fine? So that's a triggering um, post sometimes that people will say to me or the group. I'm frustrated. Um, I wear a mask all the time and, you know, to get 
I think me and all the widows don't understand why we're looked at when we're wearing a mask and we're like maybe the only one wearing a mask but it's like we have young children we know what COVID did our children can't get vaccinated yet we're going to protect them because we don't want to lose someone else to COVID um it's very frustrating um because it just really for us it seems that unless you were impacted you really don't understand what losing someone to COVID is like and like why we feel like we need to keep our masks on. Is it hard to understand how and why masks became almost a political issue? Not almost, it is a political issue. Yeah, I don't understand that because it's just protect. It's something that is going to protect you. And I think back when my husband got sick, masks weren't even like suggested yet. Um, and I know if they were, you know, my husband got sick in the hospital anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. But like, for me, it's like, if we were going out and we knew masks were going to protect us, all of us would have been wearing masks. It's not a political thing. It's a, it's a safety thing. You do other things to keep yourself safe. You put on your seatbelt. It's not, that's not political. That is to keep you safe. And if you get into an accident, if you have your seatbelt on, you're more likely to survive than if you don't. So same thing with a mask. If you keep your mask on and you are exposed, you might have a greater chance of not getting the horrible virus that is killing so many people. The thing we hear a lot from resistors is this is about freedom. This is my freedom. I've got the choice not to wear a mask. How would you respond to that? Yes, you do have a choice, but I would suggest that you think about all the people that you love because just you you not wearing a mask you might get it and be okay but you might transmit it to someone you love and then be part of this club no one wants to join tell us about martin he was just uh, a sweet man who just loved life and lived it to his fullest he would always tell me tomorrow isn't promised because of what he did he saw like tragic things happen to people so he knew he had to live life to its fullest every day because there couldn't there might not be a tomorrow and he really instilled that in me and you know that's why I try to live life now with the kids and just enjoy every moment like he did and I'm glad he got to enjoy every moment he was a really passionate speech pathologist he really went out of his way for his patients and you know th- patients would write things about him that just said what a wonderful person he was and even his students said that they're the speech pathologist they are today because of what they saw in him so he just really was an amazing person and you know he knew the risks and he knew he was going into like a war zone and yet he did it because he knew that was his job it wasn't really like he was seeing COVID patients it's just he was exposed to people who did come in with COVID his co-workers did um, see more of the COVID patients because when you get off a ventilator, you need a speech pathologist. So um, I know that my husband became a patient, of, like the patient that he would see when he was on the ventilator. And I think he knew a lot while he was on the ventilator of what was happening to him, which makes me feel like so sad because he knew. What do you tell your kids about their dad? Um, right now, I just tell them that you know he loved them um that he was a great papa you know he loved playing with them I'll show them videos of him doing silly things with them 
So I just try to keep that memory alive. And I, I'm sure Elsie's going to start asking more questions soon. And then I'll tell her what she needs to know. But right now I'm focusing on like that he was a great dad. And loved them so much. And like one day I want them to know he was a hero. Because he went into a hospital. And you know with knowing that it was dangerous. And he sacrificed his life. And that he will always be a hero. One last thing. There's been talk of a national COVID Memorial Day. What are your thoughts on that? I absolutely support that. Um, I think it's a wonderful thing, especially for the children, because when you think about it, that's a day that they can honor their dad and see all the other people who are being honored and know that their dad's life mattered, you know, and be proud of him for who he was. And I just think it'll just also be those teachable moments because, you know, when you have a holiday or a Remembrance Day, teachers always teach about why. So I think that would be great for, you know, their classmates to also understand and then have Elsie or Graham be able to say, hey, yeah, my, and give their story. I think that would be a wonderful thing. And I also think it would be very healing for a lot of people adults and children, but especially the children. Pamela, is there anything else that you want to add? I think my biggest message is that COVID has really affected so many children's lives. Um, I see it with my group. I know so many kids who are struggling because they've lost their dad or mom, but it's mostly dads because our group is mostly female. And I just want people to realize that kids are being affected and they're, they're not okay. They need help. For those who are interested, the Facebook group Pamela Addison operates is called Young Widows and Widowers of COVID-19. Again, young widows and widowers of COVID-19. Search on Facebook and find it there. You no doubt understand that COVID continues to be a fast-changing virus, and there is still a lot we don't know about it. That's why health experts and government officials are still changing their strategies to stop the spread. New mask guidelines and vaccine mandates are less about restricting freedoms and more strategies to stop the spread of this powerful and mysterious virus. And perhaps one of the greatest mysteries is what COVID has done to the healthy, to survivors. It's called COVID Long Haul, and it shows up in a medical book full of nagging symptoms that COVID survivors have reported months and months after their recovery. It's a story that's still being written, and our Peter Haskell sat down with one of the authors. My name is Diana Barrent, and I am the founder of Survivor Corps, and we are the largest grassroots COVID movement in the world. The story of Survivor Corps is Diana Barrent's story. The Long Island mother was another early COVID case. She documented her experience on blogs and audio and video diaries for weeks. Back in March of 2020, when she was feeling sick, she couldn't even get a COVID test because she wasn't in close contact with anyone who had tested positive. My, how things have changed. 
Today, she is one of the leading victims' advocates, operating the Survivor Corps Facebook group with more than 160,000 members and their website advocating for victims and shining a spotlight on the phenomenon known as COVID long haulers. How common is, is post-COVID or COVID long haul syndrome? So how common is it is a good question. But And until we start tracking every case, we won't know. But the estimates are about one-third. Um, the lowest estimates had been out of the UK, had been 10%. Those have been revised to 25% as being the floor, with some studies for, out of China and Italy that showed numbers much, much higher, 60 to 75%. Um, the CDC has maintained 25 to 35%, so I think saying one-third is a fair, um, if maybe a little bit conservative, estimate. Give us a sense of exactly what this is. What kind of symptoms are people experiencing after they've been infected? Yeah. So, look, what we originally thought was a respiratory disease, we quickly understood was actually a vascular and inflammatory disease. I believe we will look back on it in many ways as a neurological disease. Um, the things that people are experiencing in, with this long-term aftermath of the COVID virus is baffling. Um, it's baffling because it presents in such a heterogeneous way that it can present as a neurological, as neurological tremors. It can present as severe ongoing GI issues, which we don't know is that, whether that's being caused from uh, damage to the gut or damage to the brain, the part of the brain that regulates the gut. Um, we are seeing COVID onset lupus. We are seeing COVID onset diabetes. We are seeing ocular issues. People are losing their teeth. We are seeing erectile dysfunction because any organ that relies on blood flow can be damaged, you know, and the, every, the, the, you know, the punchline is that every single organ in the body relies on blood flow. You've got these baffling symptoms as part of Survivor Core. What do you hear from people? So we are hearing, you know, we are because we are the largest COVID movement in the world and we have over 170,000 members, we are able to see data in its aggregate. We are able to see people's experiences in the aggregate as opposed to one-off anecdotal stories so we are able to see trends, and we have been the canary in the COVID coal mine since day one. We saw COVID toes long before the medical establishment recognized that as a symptom. Um, we saw dental issues before anyone saw them, and the latest thing that we're seeing are severe neurological uh, damage, tremors, internal tremors, internal vibrations that are keeping people from sleeping, um, driving some to suicide, in fact. Um, and let me let me just point out that these are not necessarily people who were extremely sick with COVID. In fact, one of our members uh, horrifically took her own life in May um, because of the debilitating nature of long-term COVID. And I need to point out that she had an asymptomatic case. Asymptomatic, not just mild, asymptomatic. So we're not talking about every you know the after effects of having been on a ventilator those are different issues 
um, that can do damage to the body, and there are, you know, ways of dealing with that. There are pulmonary centers. We're talking about people who had very average cases of COVID. Um, my own son had a mild case at age 11, um, you know, average 11-year-old case that presented as a sinus infection, what seemed like a sinus infection and um, fatigue. And I never would have called him a long-haul kid, but nine months after his case of COVID, he lost one of his front adult teeth. It fell out spontaneously with no blood loss due to vascular damage from COVID. And our members are losing teeth left and right. The best way to avoid getting long COVID, not to get COVID. There is no mild enough case that doesn't matter. One of the things we're hearing quite a bit about these days is these breakthrough cases. Are people who are getting breakthrough COVID also experiencing post-COVID? They are, but let me start with the most important part about these breakthrough cases. Um, we have been tracking them and we are urging the CDC to make the tracking of them mandatory. Um, right now, they are only tracking hospitalized cases. And the good news is that almost none of these people are ending up in the hospital. Very, very, very few and far between. Um, that is extremely rare. We are seeing breakthrough cases. Look, no vaccine is 100%. We knew that from the beginning. Just like you can get the flu back, you know, if you get the flu vaccine, doesn't mean you're definitively not going to get the flu. But if you get the flu, you're probably going to have a more mild case. Well, the same thing is true for COVID. You will, you know, almost definitively have a more mild case that will keep you out of the hospital. It will keep you alive. But that's not to say it can't end up in long COVID, just like any other case of COVID, whether you know whether you had a vaccine or not. And so it's one more reason why we need to go back to our old ways of thinking, old being just from a few months ago. You know, remember that model that everyone was showing us of slices of Swiss cheese, and we needed to have as many layers of Swiss cheese between us and the virus knowing that each layer of protection is going to have some holes in it. Nothing is going to be perfect, but the more layers you can put on, the more protection you have from the virus. And the most important layer, the thickest layer of cheese with the smallest holes is the vaccination. But you still need to wear that mask as another layer and keep your distance. <laughs> Don't go into, you know, closed, enclosed spaces with other people right now. Um, now is the time to be cautious because, you know, that while they are, you know, they, they are not um, common, but at the same time, a small percentage of a very, very large number remains a very large number. Diana Barrett says her mission with Survivor Corps from the beginning was to mobilize a Peace Corps-like force to fight COVID. So it may not surprise you to hear her recommend the following. Even after the vaccination, wear your mask. And if you are exposed to anyone who has an active case of COVID or you present with any symptoms and the Delta variant symptoms are coming, the initial symptoms are either flu-like aches that sometimes appearing as um, a cold at first, get tested immediately. Get tested immediately, isolate, use the same 
rule of thumb that we have been using since day one. It was premature to let our guard down, especially at a time when this Delta variant is tremendously more infectious and it leaves you with a much higher viral load. And well, look, I am only speculating because we don't know and there is no one who knows, but my guess, and I have talked about this with leading infectious disease doctors, the fact that the Delta variant is creating a much higher viral load in the nose and mouth gives it that much more opportunity to enter the brain. And we know that it passes the blood-brain barrier. We know that the neurological impacts of the previous strain have been horrific. And it, we can almost expect that there's a good possibility that this variant could end up in even more severe neurological issues. Um, it is something to really fear. Something to really fear. Spend any time on the Survivor Corps Facebook page and you will see just how desperate people are for answers to the countless symptoms they are seeing. From low energy and dizziness to racing heartbeats and chest pain, the list goes on and on. So surely there are some answers out there from researchers. So unfortunately, um, there has not been nearly enough research into long-term covid uh, the government finally realized that this was going to be a major issue. I mean, back last winter, and now we're at a point where we probably have, as far as the statisticians say, you know, probably 135 million actual cases in the United States as opposed to the 35 recorded, 35 million recorded cases. Take one third of that and you have, you know, over 40 million people, 45 million people who are suffering from this. Imagine what would happen if 45 million Americans developed a new, a new baffling type of cancer in a year. We would be throwing money at it like nobody's business. But what happened was that the government announced $1.15 billion, which was fantastic. And they entrusted it to the NIH, and the NIH has been sitting on that money, and not a penny of it has yet been dispersed to any scientists. And that is uh, that is taxpayer money. That's not money that belongs to the NIH. It's money that was given to them and entrusted to them as a custodian to pass on to the scientists. And so what's happened is that it has left citizen scientists to fill in the gaps, um, which is, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but that's what we are doing because there is no research going on right now. It is at a complete standstill. So if there is outrage still over COVID, perhaps it should be channeled toward more help for the survivors, more clarity on how to get treatment, and indeed how to pay for it. Diana Barrett pulls no punches. Our issues are bigger than just getting people to wear masks. There is no current ICD-10 code for long COVID. What that means is that there's no way to give it, there's no proper diagnosis. And so you cannot, there is no code on the, in the books right now. We need a code. And so just like people are, that, what kind of ramifications does that have, right? People have trouble with their billing, um, they, if you now file for disability, even under these new rules that President Biden announced, what co what diagnosis are you going to use if there is no diagnosis of long COVID? We haven't even uh, agreed on a on a name for it yet. 
So where do we go from here? What would you like to see? I know you've mentioned a few things. What are the top priorities? Well, we need a billing code immediately. Um, that's without a question. And that's easy. That's low-hanging fruit. Um, we need the NIH to release its funds in a timely manner so research can be accelerated and done by real scientists along with citizens, not leaving citizens to do it on our own. Um, we need a central command center within the government. Right now, we are working in a system of, you know, bureaucratic, bureaucratic feudalism where each agency is territorial to a point where there's no, there's very little coordination between agencies. And we need a central command center, both in terms of communication and research between the CDC, NIH, and HHS whether it's housed at HHS under, you know, there are various places in where it can be housed, but we need a central command center. Um, this is a war, and we need to treat it as one. And remember, this is a war. These are our veterans. And we as Americans do not leave our comrades on the battlefield. That is not who we are as a people. And right now, we are leaving our fellow Americans to, uh, with no help, with no help, with no hope. And they are suffering. They are really suffering. This is not a post-viral fatigue. This is not about being tired. This is about your life being taken away from you. Thanks to Diana Barrett. The website is survivorcore.com. Core is spelled C-O-R-P-S. They also have the Facebook group as well, listed under Survivor Core on Facebook. And this is not the last time you will hear from them. And by the way, if you have someone or know someone suffering through mysterious symptoms like the ones that we were talking about, consider COVID long haul. Don't dismiss these people. Send them these resources to read up on it. 880 In-Depth is a production of WCBS News Radio 880. Peter Haskell and myself, Tim Scheld, are the executive producers. Thank you for listening. Subscribe and listen to us on demand. Just search for 880 In-Depth. And as always, please be safe. Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.